This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. season of Lent, a penitential season. So that's a good time to talk about confession, penance, and the sacrament of reconciliation. This week on Catholic Review Radio, we'll talk with a local priest about the changes in the order of penance, especially in the prayer of absolution and the act of contrition. And in our second segment, George Matisak will interview an author about a children's book that touches on the theme of reconciliation. I'm Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review. Our guest this segment is Monsignor Richard Hilgartner, who is pastor of St. Joseph Parish in Cockeysville. He's also a former executive director of the Secretariat for Divine Liturgy at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, so he knows a thing or two about liturgical texts. Uh, Father Rick, we have some changes coming up in the rite of absolution and the order of penance. What are those changes about and why are they coming now? Well, sure. The... the uh earlier version of the order of penance that we've been using uh, really for close to 50 years now has remained largely unchanged since uh, the implementation of uh, reforms after the Second Vatican Council. And as many will recall, in the early 2000s, we went through a a vast undertaking of updating uh, the translations of liturgical books from Latin into vernacular languages, in our case primarily English, but also Spanish and some other languages that are used in the United States. And that was primarily centered around the Order of Mass. And in 2011, uh, the revised texts of the Order of Mass were introduced, which which brought about some significant changes in, in the way we pray at Mass with, with a, a language that's a little bit more formal and some words that have been perhaps difficult to, to get one's mouth around, but we've managed to do that. Things like consubstantial in the creed and only begotten in the gloria uh, and and some other texts like that. But the idea is that the words that we pray in the liturgy have meaning, and we don't want to lose the meaning and lose the significance and lose the richness um, simply by uh, using a translation that's not accurate. And so after the changes in the Mass were implemented in 2011, it has been the intention all along that all the other sacramental rituals, all the other ritual books for the Church would undergo a similar process of translation so that everything's kind of on the same level uh, with the same kind of faithfulness to the original Latin text. Uh, We saw a revised translation of the uh, Order of Celebrating Matrimony in 2016, uh, the Order of Confirmation, the Order of Baptism just a few years ago, and so the next up was the Order of Pentecost. Uh, We'll soon see uh, revised translation of the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults, or what we've known as the RCIA. Uh, That's in its final stages of approval in Rome with the Congregation for Divine Worship. We may see that as soon as next year. So that's some of the context of the bigger picture of of the why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And it took people a few years to kind of get used to those new prayers in the Mass. Uh, we provided to parishes a, kind of a, a cheat sheet for parishioners to use of of the new prayers and, and that. How long do you think it'll take people to get used to the changes in the order of penance? 
Well, you know, the challenge in the order of penance is most of what happens when people celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation individually a good chunk of the rite is uh, is a rather free free flowing conversation between the penitent, the person confessing their sins, and the priest who stands in the person and represents the person of Jesus in offering forgiveness. And there's already been quite a quite a bit of room for um, free expression, shall we say? The two kind of formulaic prayers that that we see in in the sacrament of reconciliation. The first is the prayer of the penitent, the the act of contrition, where the person expresses their contrition, their sorrow for their sins, and their their desire to do better with God's help. And um, the, the the ritual gives room for the person to pray in their own words. Uh, we have several formulas for the act of contrition that we teach. Uh, some people remember one from earlier editions of the rite prior to 1970, which is still in use. That's the, the prayer that many people pray, Oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee. The one that we officially teach that's been in the rite is the, My God, I am sorry for my sins with all my heart. That translation, that particular form of the prayer, uh, has undergone some some change, some updating, but because people can pray in their own words, they can continue to use the one that they know by heart or mm-hmm. continue to pray in their own words. Uh, the priest's prayer, the formula of absolution, is the essential act, the the essential form uh, that makes for valid forgiveness of sins. The shortest part of that, the essential part, is that last phrase that the priest prays when he offers forgiveness. It says, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That essential form does not change. The longer form of that has simply two word changes, um, simply to give a little bit more um, richness to the language. The prayer says, God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself. And up to now, we've said, and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. The new translation will say, and poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. So that that pouring out is is simply more of a metaphor than just sending. It's the same richness of language. Uh, and then uh, in, in the, the, the other word changes the, the next line, uh, through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon and peace, where currently we say may God give you pardon and peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, grant, I guess it's just a little bit more formal, um, as, as more of a sense of, give, of, of a gift, that God's granting something that we don't deserve. Uh, and that's what forgiveness is. It's something that we don't earn or deserve. And so it's not just something that God's giving us, but God's granting us in a, in a way that, that really accentuates, I think, the free gift mm-hmm. in, in that regard. You are talking a little bit about the form of the language and, and that. But I think anybody who's been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation realizes that what's there is really this conversation between the penitent and the the priest in the person of Christ, who just opens up the healing and mercy of Jesus to the penitent. That seems like a, a, a thing that people would want to be drawn to. Do you see that people are coming to the sacrament? Do you think this will help people come in a, in a way just simply by drawing attention to the newness of it? I suppose, I suspect, suspect that some people might come out of curiosity as we begin to announce this. I, I think that there hasn't been much said about this up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the window of implementation was deliberately chosen to coincide with the season of Lent. Uh, the preparing of the publication of the book so that priests would have copies of the book has helped, has, has been part of that process. So the first use of the new text begins next Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, 
and then uh, mandatory use, the date by which we must be using the new text is the second Sunday of Easter or, or Divine Mercy Sunday, April 16th. So we have the whole season of Lent to, to introduce this. Um, and I suspect there'll be some things I'm, here in my parish. I'm planning to have some cards printed that have the act of contrition printed on it. So you know, maybe there'll be the opportunity because there's something changing that maybe people might be a little bit more attentive. But the season of Lent is always a time that people have kind of a heightened awareness of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Certainly parishes offer more opportunities to celebrate the sacrament. And uh, the, you know, the, the longstanding tradition of the Church is that the season of Lent becomes a time to acknowledge sinfulness, to place ourselves in God's mercy, this process of conversion in an ongoing way that we celebrate during Lent. Uh, and the, the the tradition, the uh, the statute of the Church to to celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation so that we are properly disposed to receive communion at some point during Easter time, what used to be called uh, Easter duty. Right. So so there is always already kind of a heightened sense of awareness of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I think this change just gives us another opportunity to promote, to invite, and to encourage. Uh, and, you know, the challenge in the short term will be making the minor changes to the text uh, accessible and available to people. But you know, in this digital age, you know, enough people come to confession with their I Confess app or one of the other right, apps that right. has prayers and devotions that will automatically be populated with, with the new texts. So some people might not even notice that there's a change if they're using some kind of digital um, digital aid, uh, or they simply come in and use what's in the confessional or in the reconciliation area that might be printed, people might not even take note that the prayer's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's available in the My Parish app, which a lot of our parishes use in the archdiocese. The ritual of confession has changed a lot since I celebrated my first confession and first communion low these many years ago when it was very, you know, it was in a confessional. It was very formulaic, you know, and, and I, I, sinned, I, I disobeyed my parents X number of times. I, I you know, I, I lied this many times, you know, those kinds of things. It seems now that the conversation between the priest and the penitent is more important in helping the penitent understand the consequences of their sins. Is is that a good reading of it? In some respects. I mean, it, it's not as though the Sacrament of Reconciliation has turned into a counseling session, right. though in some cases, in, 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 a, in a setting more akin to spiritual direction, that might take on some of that. For many people, the, the more uh, direct approach of just, I'm here to confess my sins, and, and to receive some encouragement or admonishment to do better, uh, and and then receive a penance and absolution, uh, you know, especially during crowded times, people might not experience a long, drawn-out conversation. But often people do come and seek some advice or uh, encouragement. You know, how is it? How can I get over this? Or what can I do to? And, and people are open to that because I think they do want something more than just the the rote formulaic uh, ritual. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be that. For you know, some people might be put off by the idea of some extended conversation, right? And 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 simply want to unburden themselves and know that God is merciful. Do and you that's hear... the ultimate point of what we're doing? Yeah. And do you hear from people that they are uplifted and relieved after confession? Always, uh, especially when if I've encountered if I encounter someone who hasn't been in a long time, and they might come apprehensive. It's a naturally apprehensive thing to have to come clean and acknowledge our sins and our faults. 
before the Lord and, and in the person of the priest. And for some people, if, if it's been a long time, they may feel the added burden of apprehension simply because it's been a long time, where they feel uncomfortable because they don't know what they're going to do. Inevitably, people say, I feel so much better. I feel like a burden's been lifted, because that's what's happening, that God's casting behind his back all our sins, taking them away from us in a way that we don't know how to do for ourselves. And so I, I, I hear often about how people feel literally unburdened by this happening. Mm-hmm. And it's the great gift that the Lord's taking this upon himself for us. This is what the cross is all about, that he takes all of our sins to the cross so that we don't have to. And that's a great way for us to, to think about, especially in, in Lent, uh, this penitential season. We've been talking with Monsignor Richard Hilgartner, who is the pastor of St. Joseph in Cockeysville, about the new wording and new translation for the order of penance. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, George Matisek has an interview with Claudia Cangilla McAdam, author of a new children's book that touches on the theme of reconciliation. I'm Chris Gunty. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Dr. Timothy Trainer said Mount St. Mary's University is drawing on its past to move its educational mission forward as it launches the public phase of an ambitious capital campaign. The Emmitsburg University's president said the college wants to address the ever-growing need for more healthcare professionals who hold advanced degrees. Mount St. Mary's initiated the public phase of a $50 million capital campaign in February. Our mission, our moment, our mount was launched privately in June of 2021 and has, according to Trainer, already raised $24 million of its goal. The campaign has three goals, advanced degrees in public health, upgrading STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math programs, and improving athletic facilities. In addition to the capital campaign, the school also started a campaign last fall to raise an additional $5 million for the Blessed Stanley Ruther House of Formation to serve first-year seminary students. Trainer said undergraduate enrollment of more than 2,000 students has increased by more than 12% in the past decade and that 37% of Mount St. Mary's students compete in athletics. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. Claudia Kangila McAdam is an award-winning author of two dozen books, most of them for children and teens. Her books invite young readers to learn, love, and live their Catholic faith. Her most recent picture book from Ascension Press is A Miracle for Micah, which touches on the theme of reconciliation. Claudia holds a master's degree in theology from the Augustine Institute and lives in Colorado. Joining us to talk about her new book is Claudia Congilla McAdam. Claudia, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. Thank you, George. I'm happy to be speaking with you today. Well, I had a chance to read the book, and it's it has a very creative storyline involving a character named Micah. Could you give us a little preview of the plot and tell us a little bit about how you came up with it, with the storyline? Sure. You know, th- this book is set at the time of Jesus, and Micah is a fictional character who lives in Capernaum when Jesus is there. That's Jesus' 
base of operations during his ministry. And when Micah's mother sends him to the market to purchase food, she gives him some money and she says, you know, go buy food. He has a different idea of what he can do with that money. And it's not purchasing food. It's to spend it on himself. So he decides that instead of buying food, he's going to sneak onto Peter's rooftop where fish are drying. And he's going to help himself to those fish. And that when he's at Peter's home, he makes a couple of trips there. He's on the rooftop and he witnesses one miracle after another that Jesus is performing right there at that location. And Jesus actually catches Micah stealing the fish. And when that happens, the boy comes to realize that his sinful actions are hurting so many people. Jesus himself, Peter, his younger brother who has witnessed this sin. But through repentance and the bountiful forgiveness of Jesus, Micah himself becomes part of a very special miracle. What was the inspiration for the book? How did you come up with this idea? You know, um, I, this is the second book that I have written for Ascension Press that, that has to deal with the sacraments. The first one came out a year ago called The Real Presence, and that has to do with the Eucharist, and it's the same kind of fictional uh, characters interacting with Jesus in Capernaum. This, that book dealt with the Eucharist. This book deals with reconciliation. But both of those books kind of stemmed from my visit to the Holy Land many years ago when my, one of my favorite stops was actually in Capernaum. Because that city, it's, it's, there's ruins there. People aren't living there. But there are ruins, including the ruins of the synagogue in which Jesus would have given his bread of life discourse, which is the setting for the real presence, the previous picture book about the Eucharist. And it's also where Peter's home was. And the ruins of Peter's home are there, just you know, a stone's throw away from the synagogue, right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and today, above those ruins of Peter's house, is built a Catholic church. The floor of that church is made out of glass. Hmm. You can sit in the church and look down into Peter's, what would have been Peter's home. And for me, that was a very moving experience, just sitting there and realizing, like Micah does, the miracles that happened right there at that spot. Uh, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law in that home. The paralytic is let down through the roof, and Jesus heals him and absolves him of his sins right there at that location where I was sitting. So that was the motivation for the location of the story. And I, I wanted to tie in Jesus's healing miracles with this story of Micah, a sinful young boy, and his encounter with Jesus and the really the miraculous healing that he gets spiritually through the Lord's bountiful mercy and forgiveness. Yeah, so many people don't recognize that the sacrament of reconciliation really is a healing sacrament. So it's great how you tie those two components together. The sacrament of reconciliation can be intimidating to a lot of people, no matter what the age. But I think especially for children receiving the sacrament for the first time, it can be a, a very scary thing. I actually have a daughter who is preparing for the sacrament right now. And I have to tell you, she's, she's a little anxious about it. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how this book might be helpful for a family to uh, kind of break down that fear? And, and, and why should the sacrament not be something to be fearful of? Right. And adults look at it that way too, far too often. And I think that, you know, if you, if you can look at that, the sacrament and maybe through the lens of this book as being a gentle encounter with the Lord, he's, he's instructive, he's loving, he's understanding, he's not, you know, coming down with a hard hand 
I think it's important for people, especially kids, to realize that the Ten Commandments are there for us to follow, not as a way to control and manipulate us, but as a way to guide us, lovingly guide us to a life that's better for ourselves. And that when we break a commandment, what's really happening is we're breaking ourselves. And it's not about, our faith is not primarily about the rules, but it's about the relationship. It's about the relationship we have with Jesus, with those around us, and how we can improve that relationship by confessing our sins and resolving not to do those sins again and making restitution when necessary. But most importantly, by realizing that that what we do when we disobey the, the laws, the rules, the commandments, the will of God, we're disappointing him and we're harming others because they, they are influenced by what we do, but we're also damaging ourselves and we're taking a step back away from that relationship with Jesus. So if we can approach reconciliation as a way to remove that obstacle and receive the, the loving forgiveness of Jesus, I think I don't know if there's any one of us who hasn't come out of reconciliation at one time or many times feeling just a whole weight lifted off and a brand new a brand new day and a brand new approach to life and hopefully that's what comes through in this book and that's what children and the adults who are sharing this book with them realize themselves. What advice would you have for people who have been away from the sacrament for years or decades? There, there there's so many people. It's been 20, 30, 40, 50 years since they've been to the sacrament. What advice would you have? What, what first steps could they take to coming back to the church? You know, maybe before even doing a formal reconciliation, the, the sacrament itself, maybe even just sitting down with the priest and saying, look, I've been away for a long time and I'm, I'm nervous about doing this and I don't know how to do it. You know, talking through maybe the mechanics of how to go about doing that before you actually enter the confessional. And that might might be a way, I, you know, of making someone more comfortable about it and realizing that, gosh, you know, you have the option of going face-to-face with the priest or behind a screen, whichever is more comfortable. And so many times I know I'm tempted to go behind the screen, but I, I don't, and I sit face-to-face with the priest because I love that interaction. It's like Jesus actually looking at you. And I always feel so welcomed and understood and even though I've not lived my life the way I should have I always feel so totally forgiven mm-hmm. by Jesus through the priest and you know I, I don't I don't know if, if I can make it any easier for someone who's been away for a long time but but just maybe reading about what the sacrament is and and how you can approach it today and like I said perhaps even speaking with the priest before confession and just saying I've been away and I want to come back and I'm not sure how one of the things that I really love about your book is that the illustrations are very tender and they match the tenderness of the story. Uh, could you tell us about the illustrator who, who drew the pictures for the book? Yes, Gina Capaldi. She's an award-winning illustrator and she does such beautiful work. She also illustrated my previous book, The Real Presence. So there's kind of a continuum between those books. And I love her story because in a way it mirrors mine. At age 10, I knew I wanted to be a professional writer when I grew up. Same thing with her with illustration. At age 10, she knew she wanted to be a professional illustrator. And she loved the work of Norman Rockwell. And Norman Rockwell was still living at that time. She wrote him a letter as a child explaining that she wanted to do the kind of work that he does did. And he wrote back to her. And to this day, she has his letter to her 
tacked to her artboard where she can be inspired by his encouragement. And I, and I think I'm just so grateful to him, to her, for the work that she's doing because you're right, her illustrations are very soft, very tender, but very emotive. You, you know, you can really get into the, the feelings and the emotions. And a good illustrator, what a good illustrator will do with a picture book, they will illustrate it in such a way where even if the words aren't there, which would put me out of business, but even if the words weren't there and you were just looking at the pictures, you could still get a sense of the story. So the, the illustration tells its story, whereas the words tell its story too, and the two of them come together, hopefully for a very pleasing final product. We have about a minute left. Um, could you tell us how we could get a copy of the book? And then also, I understand there's also an activities guide, discussion and activities guide. Yes, the book is available at Ascension Press, ascensionpress.com slash Micah. That's spelled M-I-C-A-H. And at my website, which is claudiamcadam.com, there I have all sorts of resources. You can even see a book trailer for this book or any of my books to get an idea of what the book looks like, what the storyline is. But I also write a free discussion and activities guide for each of my books that is available just by just ask for it and I'll, I'll email the PDF to you. It's a way for teachers or parents to um, go deeper with the kids in these books if they want to. There's fun things to do, a maze, a word search, those types of things, a coloring page. But there's also some discussion questions about the story itself where it took place, what happened, and then even deeper, you know, have you ever been like Micah? Have you ever stolen something or t wanted to take something that wasn't yours? And, you know, how, how do you go beyond that? So there's, there's discussion questions that families can work together to, to explore, in this case, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Great. Well, our guest this segment has been Claudia Cangillo McAdam. She's the author of A Miracle for Micah. Claudia, thanks again for being here. George, thank you so much. It was lovely speaking with you. God bless you and all your listeners. God bless you. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.